Now, in this hour, we do have wide open telephones, but we have not one but two big decisions that came down for the Supreme Court today. Joining us in this hour, first up, is Ian Milheiser. Ian is a senior constitutional policy analyst at the Center for American Progress and the editor of Think Progress Justice. His book is Injustices, the Supreme Court's nearly unbroken history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted. More than a pleasure to have rejoining us. Glad to have him back on the show, Ian Milheiser. Ian, good afternoon. Thank you for uh, being with us. It's good to be here. It's been a uh, big day. It has. Two big decisions with the Supreme Court, the first of which will um, uh, not change a lower court ruling, uh, but it definitely will start to change things. So let's talk about the this is one of the things that people were concerned about in not having a nine member court, which was a tie. And we had a tie vote in the Supreme Court case that has dealt a devastating blow to millions of immigrants. So tell us about the vote in the Supreme Court um, with regard to immigration and uh, with regard uh, to uh, a program uh, that was challenged that the president and his administration have put forth. Yes, so we had a, a non-decision basically today in, on immigration. Um, this was a challenge that came up through Texas to um, two Obama administration programs that combined will help about four or five million immigrants remain in the country and temporarily um, work here. And um, the program had been struck down by a virulently anti-immigrant judge. It had then been appealed to a fairly conservative panel in a court of appeals. Um, and now it's, uh, it went up to the Supreme Court. Because they split four to four, that means that the lower court order stands, and it means that with no decision, um, these programs are now suspended indefinitely and will probably remain suspended at least until there's a ninth justice who can uh, actually produce a decision in this case. Okay. This will not, however, bind future court decisions on this issue, right, once there is a ninth member. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. Four to four decision has no precedential effects whatsoever, so it doesn't even bind the lower courts. You know, the, the, the problem is that what Texas did so effectively is they shopped around, or it appears they shopped around for the judge they wanted. They got this trial court judge who is virulently anti-immigrant. He, uh, among other things, tried to order a docs attack against uh, about 50,000 undocumented immigrants fairly recently. And um, after they, they drew this judge, it meant that um, the initial decision whether to halt these programs and now an ongoing trial to decide the permanent status of these programs will be heard by this very anti-immigrant judge. They'll be appealed to the Fifth Circuit, which is also very conservative. And without a Supreme Court, it becomes very, very difficult to see a way out for these uh, programs to be upheld. That judge is Andrew Hannon, uh, and he issued an unusual nationwide injunction halting the new immigration programs. Uh, Because this comes out of the state so that people understand who may be confused, can he halt this on a national level, uh, being a, a judge in the state of Texas? Well, it's very unusual to issue a nationwide injunction against the United States for the reason that, you know, a single judge in the southern tip of Texas shouldn't be able to decide what a whole nation's immigration policy is. Um, So it's very unusual for a judge to do this. But if a judge oversteps their bounds, the mechanism to resolve that is appeal. 
So the mechanism to resolve it is you appeal first to the Court of Appeals, where DOJ just had some bad luck and drew a very, very conservative panel. And if you don't like that decision, the mechanism is to appeal to the Supreme Court, which we now know isn't capable of doing its job because it's down to justice and you know can't decide this case. This is the Texas v. United States case. And this, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, and please explain, uh, this involves a new program, Deferred Action for Parents of Americans and Lawful Permanent Residents, known as DAPA, and the mm-hmm. expansion of the existing Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, which is DACA. Um, right. So basically, what in reality happens to an undocumented worker here illegally, who is not a criminal, and might have children who were born here because right. God knows they could they could have been here for decades. Uh, right. what, what, what really happens as a result of this happening today? I mean, will we see in the state of Texas or anywhere else in this nation? And, and can they legally, by this decision, just round people up and rip families apart as early as the morning? Yeah. So Texas isn't allowed to set its own immigration policy. I mean, if Texas... If you're an undocumented immigrant and you commit a crime, then you could be arrested just like anyone else. And while, you know, while that person is arrested, they might refer, the state officials might refer the person to federal officials, but it's ultimately the federal government's um, job to decide what happens with deportable immigrants. Um, The good news is that Texas did not challenge a separate memo where the Obama administration set out priorities for who they wanted to target in deportation proceedings. They said they want to target people with criminal records, people who are potentially terrorists, and they don't want to target law-abiding individuals, parents of citizens, you know, people like that. So, so, so the good news is that um, Texas can't force the federal government to um, to deport someone, but what this decision does is it makes life very difficult for this pool of immigrants because they don't have the assurance they would have had um, if they'd been granted deferred action. They don't have the possibility to apply for work authorization, and so they have to live in a shadow economy that ultimately undermines you know everyone's ability to work in this economy. Um, and it's it, it's very bad news what or what happened today. And they live in fear if they have a taillight out, they could be deported because somebody would say that's a crime, right? Well, it's certainly that they could be rounded up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and once they're rounded up, you you know, it, you, even though the administration has said that it is set priorities, a lot of the time it depends upon whether the specific official that. Um, that handles the case, you know, how they, you know, whether they, they comply with those priorities. But what should happen is that, um, you know, lower-level immigration officials should honor the priorities that were set by the administration, and that means that the people who should be targeted should be violent criminals, potential terrorists, and not law-abiding parents of U.S. citizens. Isn't this, in a sense, then, more symbolic of, um, you know, perhaps uh, racism, um, xenophobia, and the like? Because this does not address the immigration problem on the whole, (laughs) A, B, um, and this doesn't change the prioritization of the federal government in who they would deport like a criminal element 
um, who's not a productive member of our society. And additionally, I, I don't think companies that are using these undocumented workers are just going to lay them off and hope somebody comes and fills their shoes because they'll, they'll lose production of money. Well, well so let, let's be clear. I mean, first of all, with respect to work authorization, um, you know, there is a current pool of people who have what, what's called deferred action is the term when you're an undocumented immigrant granted this kind of relief under the existing DACA program. And nothing happens to them because of the court's order today. So they still have work authorization, and they're allowed to work on the books, and they will pay the same taxes as everyone else. They will get the same benefits as, as everyone else. What happened, you know, what this decision affects is it affects the people who didn't already have that, that status. It affects the people who were supposed to get deferred action under DAPA and the expansion of DACA. Um, they will not have authorization to work legally, which means, which, you know, which probably doesn't mean that they're going to sit at home on, the, on their couch, which means that they're going to have to do um, under the table work. And the problem with this whole shadow, one of the problems with this shadow economy that's created um, when you have this entire class of people who can't work, um, you know, who, who can't work in an open way, is that they get paid depressed wages. Those depressed wages then drive down everyone else's earnings, and, and we all suffer um, because there's this entire shadow economy created by the fact um, that these programs have been shut down. Okay, so the way this changes is to have that ninth justice, or if a president's elected who disagrees and has a different view on immigration than our current president, President Obama, correct? Well, yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, there's one or two ways that, the, that, that, that we get out of this limbo state. I mean, one is Donald Trump gets elected, and he does all the things that he said he was going to do. Um, you know, to, to deport more immigrants, and he's going to cancel these programs. The other way is that Hillary Clinton gets elected, and she has said that she wants to expand these programs. She will no doubt nominate a justice who is likely to be the fifth vote to oppose them. And if that justice is, um, or will nominate a justice who, who will be the fifth vote to uphold them, rather, and if that justice is confirmed, then these programs will be upheld and they'll go into effect. Um, so one way or another, this is going to get resolved, most likely after the election, but it matters a great deal, you know, who is elected. Right, and how it gets decided. Very quickly, lastly, the Supreme Court also made a decision upholding the affirmative action program yes. at the University of Texas. Texas likes to keep that court busy. Yeah, no, and this was a very surprising decision. I mean, I, I thought for a while, ever since Justice Alito was confirmed in uh, 2006, that there were five votes on the Supreme Court to, to nuke affirmative action. And Justice Kennedy, who is pretty conservative on issues of race, crossed over and voted with the liberals. There's a lot of language in his opinion that's not great for supporters of affirmative action. It puts a pretty heavy burden on universities that want to have affirmative action programs. But it is a much better opinion for affirmative action than I think anyone thought we were going to get out of this court. Ian, we love having you with us. Thank you for joining us once again and bringing us up to speed on the latest decisions from the Supreme Court today. Ian Milheiser, Senior Constitutional Policy Analyst at the Center for American Progress. 
editor of Think Progress Justice, author of Injustices, the Supreme Court's nearly unbroken history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted. I think those decisions today would speak to that. The website for Think Progress is thinkprogress.org. For the Center for American Progress is americanprogress.org. And once again, that book is Injustices, the Supreme Court's nearly unbroken history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted. Follow Think Progress at Think Progress and follow Ian at I Milheiser, M-I-L-L-H-I-S-E-R. Back with more right after this. Today, the Supreme Court was unable to reach a decision. This is part of the consequence of the Republican failure so far to give a fair hearing to Mr. Merrick Garland, my nominee to the Supreme Court. It means that the expanded set of common sense deferred action policies, the ones that I announced two years ago, can't go forward at this stage until there is a ninth justice on the court to break the tie. Most Americans, including business leaders, faith leaders, and law enforcement, Democrats and Republicans and independents, still agree that the single best way to solve this problem is by working together to pass common-sense bipartisan immigration reform. That is obviously not going to happen during the remainder of this Congress. We don't have a Congress that agrees with us on this, nor do we have a Congress that's willing to do even its most basic of jobs under the Constitution, which is to consider nominations. Republicans in Congress currently are willfully preventing the Supreme Court from being fully staffed and functioning as our founders intended, and today's situation underscores the degree to which the court is not able to function the way it's supposed to. That is President Obama responding to the immigration ruling. We're going to be taking a break, coming up and taking your calls. Here are some questions I have for you. One, what are your thoughts on today's Supreme Court decision regarding immigration? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Two, is tearing families apart a family value in America? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Are we making it one with this ruling, 8886-LESLIE, and won't this ultimately cause more problems, 888-653-7543? And does today's ruling show the significance of the Supreme Court of the United States not having a full bench, 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543? Do you agree with President Obama's statement that today's ruling, quote, takes us further from the country that we aspire to be? Is it? Time. We start to show empathy in this country, America. 8886 Leslie, 888 653 7543. And how will this ruling affect the state of the 2016 race? Hillary Clinton said the ruling or lack of a ruling was heartbreaking. Trump said the court kept us safe from executive amnesty. But quite frankly, it doesn't keep us safer from a, a criminal element coming over our borders. It doesn't keep families safer, and it doesn't encourage people who are born here or who want to stay here to be a part of the unity of this nation, does it? Think about that. Whether it's a Muslim or an undocumented worker, if you alienate a segment of your population, you are not creating more friends, but you could be creating enemies. If you don't deport somebody, but you prevent them from working and they can't feed their family, what alternative do they have than to turn to a life of crime? 
So how will this ruling affect the state of the 2016 race? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. And under a Trump presidency, it would cost between $400 and 600, excuse me, 400 and 600 billion dollars to apprehend, detain, process and transport all undocumented immigrants back to their countries of origin. That's an average of about $10,000 per person to deport each individual. Wouldn't you rather give these people a path to citizenship through deferred action, let them get jobs, pay taxes, and put money back into our economy? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. We talk top economists have all agreed that the Trump presidency would, quite frankly, reduce the economic value of this nation, make our deficit bigger, and quite frankly, push us back into a depression. Whether you like it or not, over 11 million people that have been here, some for decades, are an integral part of our economy. They are a part of the woven fabric of the financial quilt, if you will, that keeps this country together. Pick up the phone and join us. What are your thoughts on today's Supreme Court decision regarding immigration? Is tearing families apart a family value in America? Are we making it one with this ruling? And won't this ultimately just cause more problems? And does today's ruling show the significance of the Supreme Court not having that full bench of nine with only eight? Do you agree with President Obama in the statement that the ruling takes us further from the country that we aspire to be? Shouldn't we be showing empathy as we progress as a nation? And how will this ruling affect the state of the 2016 presidential race and senatorial and House races as well? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Call me now. Back to you and your calls after this. We're back. Michael in the Bronx is joining us. Line one. What a surprise, Michael, that you're on the show today. Just a joke. How are you doing? Good afternoon. You're real funny, Leslie. You know that. Yes, yes. Michael, uh, what do you think of the Supreme Court decision with regard to nomination, uh, the uh, nomination, excuse me, immigration or lack of decision because, you know, we don't have a ninth member on that court? Well, let me answer that question with a question. What decision? And I say that because I pay, I pay close attention to what President Obama stated about the lack of a ninth um, Supreme Court justice and the fact that these Republicans still want to play games and not have a hearing, not even sit down to meet with the nominee, which is a slap in the face to President Obama and to us Americans. And he made the case that we would not be in this mess if there was a if there was a full bench, but since this decision was a four the four split, it goes right back to the lower courts and the matter is unresolved. And if the matter is unresolved, quite frankly there's no decision. Well, there is, there is no decision by the Supreme Court, but I think one of the things that is telling is that it was 4-4 and how instrumental that ninth vote would be. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, because that would, in a sense, you know, some people could argue the next Supreme Court member will, in fact, be the swing voter, uh, even though people have looked at, you know, Kennedy to be the swing voter uh, in the past. It's quite That is quite true. And the, quite frankly, with... Um, Mr. Oh, Ray, I forgot the, the nominee's name because I've been so upset with um, what's Merrick going Garland. on lately. Merrick Garland, thank you. Um, he seemed to be a moderate that sounds like he would have been straight down the middle. So he could have ruled 
um, in a progressive manner. He could have ruled on the side of conservatives, depending on what the law is. But, you know, the thing is, is that these Republicans, you know, you got a tie-up with the Supreme Court. You got a tie-up in Congress. I hope to God, Leslie, that everybody that's listening and everybody that has been paying attention to what's been going on for the past few weeks at least, certainly for the past eight years, that this is a party that is not, I repeat, not for or by of the people. This is a party that's been in lock and step with People like the NRA, people like the KKK, people like the big money corporations that want to throw out the law and the Constitution and all our civil rights and always want to have, um, have how should I say this, have decisions based on their own political preferences. And this is an absolute disgrace. As far as I'm concerned, people... You know what to do come November, and if more people are so pedo like I am, I sense we will have a Democrat remaining in the White House, and this time in the name of Hillary Clinton, that the Senate will go back to the Democrats and perhaps a supermajority, and perhaps the House going back to the Democrats, because the Republicans ain't doing a damn thing but causing more misery, let alone more fatalities. All right, Michael, I appreciate your call. But one thing that you uh, did touch upon and something I've been asked to speak on in uh, L.A.'s Rock the Vote uh, campaign, I'm going to see if I can do it schedule-wise, is how essential it is that you vote in November. This is not just about who is going to be our next president, and we will have a new president. And the decision will come down most likely to between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And that one power that nobody can take away, Congress can't argue with them. Well, you can debate, you know, and certainly do who puts forth. But as a president, you have the power to fill that empty seat, that ninth seat, which this ruling shows and proves is so essential because we do have times when it's 4-4 like today. And this is an important ruling. Even though people won't necessarily be rounded up tomorrow, they could. They won't be deported tomorrow. But it also affects the health of that individual. You know, I was listening to um, NPR uh, StoryCorps. Are you guys familiar with that? Marky Mark, Andrew, are you familiar with that or no? I don't think so. It's uh, very interesting, and what they do is they put something almost like a photo booth in various um, places throughout the United States, and you go in and tell your story. And often a couple of people will. There have been you know, heart-wrenching stories of people who talk about their time in Manzanar or surviving the Holocaust and the last time they saw their parents when the Nazis ripped them out of the arms of their mother, the first time an elderly couple set its eyes on each other, They're beautiful stories. And most recently, I heard just the tail end of a story. It was a little boy and his father. And his father had a very thick Hispanic accent. And um, the little boy's father and mother had gotten divorced. And the father is undocumented. And the little boy was crying when he talked about, those were hard times, Poppy, when you were homeless 
I couldn't sleep at night. This is a little boy, like six, seven years old. I couldn't sleep at night because I was worried that you weren't safe. I didn't know where you were sleeping when I was comfortable and warm in my bed. I felt bad when I was eating and wondered if you were eating. And I was afraid the police would arrest you and would send you far, far away from me. His son is American born. His wife is also an American. Well, I'm not sure if it's his wife or, you know, just was somebody that, you know, he had a relationship with and they had a child. I don't think we understand when we just look at news clippings and headlines and, and listen to sound bites that these are human beings we are talking about. We're talking about over 11 million human beings. The overwhelming majority of which are not criminals. Now, I know somebody might say, oh, somebody overstayed their visa, tried to kill Donald Trump. I know somebody will say a man in San Francisco who was an undocumented worker and came to this country illegally killed Kate Steinle. And I know people will try and make you feel that undocumented workers are taking your jobs, are screwing up our economy, and are filling up our prisons and sucking our social systems and are sneaking in and voting, and all of that is false. Undocumented workers are not voting and not allowed to vote legally. Undocumented workers aren't taking your jobs. Rather, they're doing jobs none of us wanted, hence the corporations dangling the carrot of opportunity to people so close to us south of the border, Mexico especially. But not just Mexico, other countries. People come here in crates through the L.A. ports from China. People come through the Canadian border. Remember the guy that tried to kill Donald Trump came here, what, as a student, and overstayed his visa, and... You know, he was British, right? White guy. We never think of it that way. These people are an easy target because the overwhelming majority of them are not highly educated. doesn't mean they don't have some level of education. But again, the overwhelming majority of them are not committing crimes. And, and, and you know, when people talk about, oh, they're committing crimes at a higher ratio, uh, you, know, you know, proportionate to its population, that's just not true. It's just not true. And when you say they're sucking off our system, whether it be food stamps or welfare, that's just not true. Are some of them getting medical attention when they go into a clinic? Yes. Or into an emergency room? Yes. But my husband, who's a doctor, will tell you he really doesn't give a hoot where you were born. He took an oath. He took an oath for the. He, he took an oath to preserve life, not American life, all life. He took an oath, the Hippocratic oath. All physicians do. So when we look at such a decision or lack of, this is very important. And it really isn't and shouldn't be, although it's become political. Because what we are talking about, we are human beings who have been living with, coexisting with peacefully for the most part, more than 11 million people who've become an integral part of our society and have contributed so much and are so much part of the fabric of our economy that without them, we would be quite destabilized economically. And that's top economists agree on this, regardless of their ideology or if they have no partisan connection at all. We have a lot of people uh, on Twitter making comments. Let me share some of those. Uh, Larry said he already said he's letting, quote, good ones back. So we'll 
deal away portation uh, end up between Hillary and Rubio. He's talking about Trump. I think we all know you cannot legislate who the good ones are and not. And by the way, the federal government already has, quote, the good ones staying and the lower court of Texas doesn't give a hoot if they're good. They want them gone. And even if they're good and have birthed and brought up good children as part of our society. Matt says we are a nation of laws and we have laws for this and he doesn't like them. Um, We have laws for this and we need to enforce the laws. That's no question. And we don't always enforce the laws. Part of the problem is we don't always have the money to enforce the laws. And quite frankly, if you look at our Congress, they either don't vote for the funding to enforce those laws like immigration courts. Everything gets, you know, tied up. Don says... So many have been immigrants in the past, and the country has grown with their contributions. What is the difference now? And that, that's, a, that's a very, very good point. It's only over the past few years that immigration has become such a political issue. Um, Deanne says, charity begins at home. Obama missed his calling. Um, Lucky Girl says, use the money saved on terrorist detainees released back to the jihad. Oh, please. People just speak so ignorantly. I mean, really. There, there are very cheap classes that anybody can take out there. Use them. Uh, Leslie, uh, those would be uh, one-time expenses. At present, we spend $150 billion a year on illegals rebuild inner cities instead. But again, you people think if you take the money from Peter, you're going to give it to Paul. And that's not the way budgets work. And if you take the money from the federal government, you can't give it to the state. That's not the way budgets work. Federal funds for immigration are not going to be given to cities in the state of Texas where this this uh, the challenge came out of to the Supreme Court or any other for that matter. Again, simple. Do your homework. You know, if I save money, I'm not going to give that money I saved to my neighbor across the street. Get it? We'll be back. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Pick up the phone and join us. 888-6LESLIE. 888-653-7543. We are talking about the Supreme Court decision. Now, I know it's summer, and I know when the heat, you know, and the temperatures rise, you know, people get lethargic and people get lazy. But if I don't hear from you, I assume you're comfortable with this. If I don't hear from you, I assume you're comfortable with an eight-member court and not nine. And if you're comfortable with that, then there's a certain amount of apathy that goes with that, and that makes me fearful as an American for what happens in November. Because, see, if we become lazy and lethargic and apathetic and we don't care, we don't get up off our ass and vote. And if we don't vote to change members of the House and the Senate who could confirm the current candidate nominee that the president put forth for that ninth seat on the Supreme Court, we can and need to in November. It is not just a presidential election. There are House seats up for grabs and, and, and Senate seats up for grabs. And Republicans have a very slim majority. Democrats could take back the Senate. And although it doesn't look numerically like Democrats could take back the House, they could make a dent big enough to stop the power of the current numbers by the House with a Republican majority. Now, you might say, well, Leslie, what do all these things have to do with the Supreme Court decisions on immigration? Well, one, this is what we've talked about. If there was a tie 4-4 like there was today, the lower court r- ruling stands. This, And you know what makes me sick? 
I went to law school for a couple of semesters and I quit. And the reason I quit is I just didn't feel justice was just. And and I got to tell you, this this lower court ruling in Texas is an example of that. The people that put this case forth, Texas versus the United States, specifically sought out and found a judge that was so anti-immigration. When you look at Lady Justice, she has a blindfold. And the scales on either side of her are balanced. Because you're supposed to be blind to that imbalance. When you put on that black robe as a judge, you're supposed to forget your personal feelings. Your personal affiliation with a party, your personal feelings on guns, immigrants, abortion. Your personal feelings have nothing to do with it. As a judge, you are to uphold the law. Now, the law is very clear. And the law currently stands that if you come into this country illegally, that you cannot just be picked up and deported. However, if you are stopped and you don't have your papers, you can be rounded up. And if you are stopped and they find that you've committed a crime, well, they then, in fact, can deport you. But one of the things both sides agree on is that the immigration system needs to be reformed. That's one of the only areas I agree with Donald Trump. It's how we reform it that changes. This judge's decision in Texas, this lower court decision, this does not build a wall, my friend. This does not stop bad guys from coming into the country. And this does not even make bad guys Top of the list to be deported. That's already in place, and that's an area the Supreme Court didn't touch. So I ask you, what good's the Supreme Court if it's 4-4? leslie What good are any justices in states like Texas and elsewhere if they are not putting on the black robe to uphold the laws that are written and not bring their own personal sentiments, bias, racist, prejudice, bigotry, and things like that with them into the court. That should stay outside. Otherwise, they shouldn't be a judge. Taking your calls at 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. I want you to tell me. If I had come here illegally, and I have been here 20, 30 years, and I have paid taxes, and I have worked hard, and I've never committed a crime, and I've had two or three kids, and they're going to school or working, and they're contributing to society, and they're Americans. Should I be taken away from my children? What if my youngest is five or six? Do we take them out of the land of opportunity and put them back to the country they were, their parents were from and born in and probably came here because we love to tell how great this country is, how great America is, It's so great. Come here. Come here for vacation. Come here for business. Buy the stuff we make and sell. Love us. Look at us. We're a superpower. But damn it, don't try to move here. And if you do even 20 or 30 years ago, if you don't have the documentation that we wanted back then and it wasn't a political issue, well, now that it is, get your ass the hell out. We don't care if we're breaking up your family. That's what you were saying you agreed to. If I don't hear some outrage about this ruling today, eight 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 six Leslie eight 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 six five three seven five four three. Scott's in Ithaca, line one, listening on WNYY. Scott, hey, how you doing? Uh, I don't know. From the last time I called, I hope you know that I'm a straight shooter, and uh, you may not agree with me, but we'll, we'll see what happens. 
Um, you know, as far as ripping up families, no, I think most people, reasonable people, don't want to do that. And I think that, uh, you know, you should basically uh, consider amnesty for those situations. I think going forward, you know, you want to probably promote illegal uh, immigration and try to avoid that from happening in the first place. But I want to say something. The main reason that I wanted to call was when Barack Obama was a professor of law, constitutional lawyer uh, in at University of Chicago, and I know this because I know somebody who was his student, he was a conservative. But then to get, and I grew up in Chicago, by the way, and to be into politics in Chicago, you pretty much have to be a Democrat to be successful for the most part. Um, and so he became a little bit more liberal and more progressive as time went on. However, Merrick Garland and... I feel so get... bad. You called at the end of the show. I have no more time. You can call me tomorrow and finish the conversation. I'm not cutting you off because you, you and I may not agree. I don't know if we you completely disagree. I agree with what you said thus far. But you got, I, I got a whole hour to talk to you guys. Two hours uh, each and every day. You got to call me earlier. Sorry. Um, so if you're holding, sorry, guys. Call in earlier. That's why I give the numbers at the beginning of the hour. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a great afternoon.